and welcome back to Arrested DevOps, the podcast that probably won't destroy your career with bad advice. I'm your co-host, Matt Stratton, at Matt Stratton on Twitter. And I'm your co-host, Trevor Hess, at Trevor G. Hess on Twitter. So this is episode three of Arrested DevOps, also known as The Dev Show, when we decide who put the dev in the devity dev the ops. So we have a panel of a couple app devs who are going to talk to us about what they think DevOps means and what it means to be an app developer. But before we get to the panel, as always, we start with our retro. So Trevor, uh, what have you been up to since our last podcast? Well, uh, I successfully completed another revolution around the sun. Um, took a long time, about a year, but uh, it went well. Um, Do you mean it was your birthday or just that it was the new year? Just it was a new year. Uh, I guess yes, you could you could define your revolutions around the sun in many ways. Um, but other things I did, um, tech-wise, uh, I got some family members from Chromecast who, were, I'll I'll be honest and say they're not necessarily the most tech-savvy. I was really impressed at how quickly they picked up how Chromecast interfaces with their iPads and their TVs. Uh, it was you know. It makes it much easier for them. I was impressed. Um, how about you, Matt? Well, celebrated the holidays, and uh, I don't know if you know this, but pretty much when people know you like one thing, they decide that's the only thing. So I got a lot of Doctor Who stuff, um, including my trusty Sonic, which my four-year-old uh, twin boys decided was the coolest thing they'd ever seen, and they wanted to play with it way more than anything that I got for them. Um, and then I'm also in progress on my, my new tattoo, from which is inspired by Game of Thrones. It's not done yet. Um, those of you who are listening, we'll put up a picture in the show notes if you, you care about such things. Uh, so that was, that was mostly it. And then did a bunch of work, um, lots, of, lots of cloudy goodness and PowerShell-y goodness and DevOps-y goodness. So that's where we've been. So I think we're ready to get to our panel Again, we're talking about uh, the dev side of DevOps, and those of you who are listening, if you have questions for our panel, you can either clickety-click on the uh, Q&A button that's on the event page, if that's where you're watching, or feel free to send us tweets at Arrested DevOps, and we'll try to get to as many of the questions as we happen to um, you know, notice that you actually post. So let's introduce our panel. First we have uh, David Braverman. Dave, you want to tell us a little about yourself? Yeah, um, I'm, a, uh, I'm, I'm mirroring my own video, which I have to stop. That's, that's not going to work. Um, I'm <laughs> a developer here at 10th Magnitude. I, I'm actually sitting about two meters away from Matt over there. Um, <clears throat> I'm a managing consultant, so I, I, get, uh, I get to listen to the clients yell at us when um, when things go wrong with their ap applications, and uh, usually I'm the one who caused those problems, so that's that's fine, that's fair. Um, I've been doing this since uh, the Pliocene era. Um, started working in development back in 1977 when I could barely reach a keyboard, and um, that's why I have not studied it ever in my life formally. Um, so I tried to do three different things and kept coming back to this. And I should stop talking now because Matt's looking at me. So um, I'm here, I think, because uh, I'm, I'm really convenient. Matt can just, you know, shoot rubber bands at me to get me to say things. And um, also because um, I'm 
have wanted to get operations at 10th Magnitude for a long time before we got Matt, and uh, I'm, I'm actually really pleased that he's here and that he's doing this because um, we need it, and all com a lot of companies like us need it, and I think it's good that we're getting the word out. Back to you, Matt. Thanks, David. Um, also, I just noticed while this was going on that I forgot to turn the Q&A function on, and you can only do that at the beginning. So all that stuff when I said there was a Q&A box you could type questions in, that was a big lie. So just uh, tweet them to us. Um, our other panel member is Dan Ganji. So Dan, would you like to introduce yourself and tell everybody how I mangled your name? Because I think I did. Oh, no, actually, well, I'm actually well impressed. Uh, that's exactly how it is. Uh, I'm a web developer from Chicago. Uh, I'm the uh, I'm leading the front end development at Apartments.com, uh, which is actually how I connected with Matt originally. And I am also a freelance uh, web developer, uh, which I've actually recently transitioned from freelance into the full-on company, um, where I'm doing a split between web web development work for various clients, and then I'm also doing uh, quote unquote the startup side. Uh, I'm actually working on developing a set of uh, social tools uh, right now. And I guess the reason I'd say I'm here is, uh, you know. I'm a developer, so I don't do the DevOps side as much as I'd like, but I do it on my personal, and I'm trying to learn it, but I interact daily with various teams of DevOps, so you know it's a very one-to-one -one relationship with them, so I'm very well connected to it and doing my best to learn as much as I can and you know, kind of connect that back to what I do in uh, development on the front end. Yeah, I would think with, with what you're doing with your, your startup and with your own company, you're probably doing more DevOps than you, than you realize, because usually in a startup, that's kind of out of necessity rather than desire. Absolutely. Uh, I'm coming from uh, uh, C Sharp uh, and then also transitioning into Ruby and now Node.js, which is a whole other uh, ballpark. And, you know, I knew a little bit about it, you know, the DevOps world, but now kind of getting full on into it, it's, uh, it's a whole other beast on top of development to learn. So you're absolutely right. Okay, I have a, a question, and this is, this is for, for either, for anybody that wants to jump in. Um, so how do you think through you know, your career, be it, you know, numbering in the decades, like, uh, you know, our, our elder statesman, David, or, or, you know, someone who's starting out even so, how do you see what, a, what the role of the developer having changed over that time, if, if you have seen a change at all? Anybody want to jump in? Um, so... I would say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of more infantile in my career, um, or at least as far as heavy development is concerned. Uh, and I guess right the best thing, yeah, uh, the best thing that I could say is that uh, for me, it's, you know, when you when you do development or you start on really anything, you know, you get very lasered into the thing you do. You know, it's this is what I'm doing. You know, you kind of live in your own little bubble as you're building things. Um, you know, but as uh, you kind of get farther along, especially you know where I'm working at now. Uh, I see that, you know, the DevOps side, you kind of have to evolve as more than just, okay, I'm putting together this application, and there it is, you know, it's getting A to B for me. Uh, it has to get out to the world, or it has to be, you know, um, you know, make its way out to, you know, all the consumers are going to be absorbing this product. And, you know, I don't think, you know, early on when I started development, I really understood that, or I didn't really think, like, you know, if to me was, there was IT, and there was tech, and tech was developers, and IT was DevOps, and I kind of really had this very black and white separation between the two. Um, a little bit of meeting in the middle, but I never really understood that until I've kind of started to progress farther down the line, and it's actually affected the way that I have to develop as well as the way that I'm thinking when I'm actually architecting applications. So I think that's really interesting because that's 
<clears throat> kind of a similar way to how I, I approach development. Except I've always, when I grew up, I loved putting computers together with my father. You know, it was excellent when I built my first machine. So I kind of had a little bit more, you know, setting up the networks for various people. So I had a little bit more ops ingrained into me as I was coming along. So it was it was really surprising to me when I ran into developers who were like, "What's you? I had to change what? What's what's a BIOS? <laughs> There's more than one disk drive." And I'm like, "You're you're a developer and you don't know what a disk drive is." <laughs> it was you know. It, there's there's that balance of knowledge that is either there or it's not, and you have to get through it. David and I were having a difference of opinion about this a few weeks ago when <laughs> I was stunned and shocked at the fact that, you know, I said anybody who's working in computers should be able to tell you about the different RAID levels, and we found out that quite a few of the very technical people we work with didn't really know them, and and I kind of had to take a step back and say, well, it may not be relevant um, these days, but I just always assumed that, you know, when I would do interviews, especially for, for tech ops people, I, that was like the softball question, and then people would whiff at it, and you're like, great, now I get to sit through an hour with you, and, I, and you know you just, you know, totally bailed on the gimme, but I, I figured anybody in tech would know that, and I guess uh, it's not, not as common, and then the, the question is, is it just... Is it a problem that it's not, other than me feeling arrogant and snarky, or is that really an era, you know, a bygone era to care about those things? Well, I, <clears throat> I think actually part of part of what I love about where we are in development right now is that it it might in fact be um, obsolete to know that stuff. I'm not saying that you. Let me put it this way: in, in developer terms, um, I know uh, what a bubble sort is. Um, I could probably write one in a few hours, um, whereas you know, computer science major might be able to whip one out in 15 seconds in C++. But I don't care. Um, I'm going to use link. I'm going to use you know, list.orderby, and I don't care about all the plumbing anymore. It frees, up, uh, it frees me up to think about the problem that I'm trying to solve. And um, you know, as a developer, the problem that I'm trying to solve is the business problem. Now, I actually, going to your question about ray levels, um, I, I uh, spent the last couple of weekends actually dismantling my server rack, and, and Matt, you've heard all about it. Um, I, I actually set up a whole server rack, seven U worth of servers, that's four, four boxes, three different kinds of RAIDs because they had three different purposes. Um, you know, I want, I want my database server mirrored. I want uh, my Exchange server in RAID 5. I don't really care uh, what my web server looks like because if it goes down, I just, you know, bring it back up again because there's nothing on it that uh, they can't be replaced in an hour. So it that was a problem. That, my, the problem that I was trying to solve with all those boxes is how do I serve these websites out? Now how do I serve these websites out is I go to uh, Visual Studio and I right click and I either go publish or I go deploy. And what's going on in, in, in uh, the Southern Virginia data center? I, I don't care. But um, Bring it back to the operations question. I don't need to care well, what the ray levels are. I, I, I had a question. So, yeah. so, I mean, you do have the downside is you had your websites on-prem in, in, your, in, your, in your house, and now you have them in the cloud. So I guess on-prem you were safe from NSA snooping at least, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, um, except that 
if bias anybody, level. <laughs> anybody reads no, if anybody's reads Bruce Schneier, um, he just he's uh, every day he's posting a new NSA NSA exploit. Today's is an, an exploit called Deity Bounce, and I was talking with Matt about this earlier. Deity Bounce specifically targets five models of Dell servers two of which I had in my rack. It's a BIOS exploit. Fortunately, it requires that somebody actually stick a key in the thing and reboot it. But, uh, you know, um, I'm not too worried that the NSA is, is after me or that they've been looking at my servers, but it's just kind of funny. Uh, in theory, I, I, my domain could have been owned by the NSA since 2006, and I would not have known. Um, I was reading, yeah, it targets five models of Dell servers. I had two of them. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Michael Dell. So you, you were actually making a good point about operations before I interrupted. Um, yeah, the operational side is keeping things running, but I think we're, what we have with the cloud uh, and what we have with no longer caring about exactly how striping and parity works together is um, we can concentrate on the problem of keeping the, the customer's assets available to the customer and their customers without having to think about how at a physical level, that's happening. In, in other words, th the whole point of what I'm saying is if you take a lot of the concrete details out of the problem, it becomes a lot easier to think about the problem that you're trying to solve and to think of new ways to solve it um, without having to spend, you know, four, you're going to edit this, but I was about to give you angina with what I was about to say, four hours to set up a 256 gig drive because you need five of them. Um, that was, you know, Actually, it's four. Yeah, I had four uh, 128s to get into, what, a 384 with Braid 5? Am I doing the math right? I don't care! That's the point. I think he's. I think he actually raised a really good point. Um, Matt, I could definitely say, personally, I love, I mean, again, you know, the operations side's not my area of expertise nearly as much as development, but a little bit of ego-driven that I love knowing a lot of the information that I do because a lot of people do not know that information, absolutely. Uh, but I think that David makes a really good point that you know, like, uh, if you really kind of step back, like, let's just go down to math. Like, what's there's a big thing, you know, in education right now where they're saying that, you know, why bother making people learn all these rudimentary mathematical skills when you can just have a calculator do it? And my idea is, is that I feel better that I know that, but I can see that utilizing, say, you know, like he was saying with, say, a cloud server that's doing all that back-end legwork that I don't need to know about, I'm okay with that. And I think that really also comes down to um, role, you know, like, for operations and, you know, for you personally, I would assume... To you, that information could be very important, even beyond just knowing it as some type of base knowledge, whether it applies or not. But for me, you know, in development, uh, I wouldn't ever, just like David said, that's not a piece of information that necessarily is going to affect how things are going to be for me. You know, you'd be dumping into some really heavy, like, memory management stuff maybe, you know, to really kind of sync that up. But, again, like David said, it's just, for me, that's not a piece of information I necessarily need on hand. But, again, I do feel better that I know it, and I do think it can help me in certain applications. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think I think knowing the fundamental uh, knowing the fundamentals helps you. Um, and, and one of the things that in my career, my background is that I have degrees in history, law, and business. Um, there's I have taken one computer science class by exam. That's the extent of the studying that I've done. And I think at times that has actually hurt me by not having the fundamentals. Um, it kind of slowed me down in some aspects, um, but. Uh, to, to just to talk about, so I'm of two minds. One, I think knowing the fundamentals is important, but on the other hand, picking and choosing your fundamentals may also be important because we don't need to know how to arrange RAID arrays anymore. We don't. It's 
if there's if there's a performance issue in micro in an Azure product in an Azure cloud service, the performance is not going to be uh, the performance problem will not be solvable through hardware, even if hardware's part of the problem. There's we have taken that out of the equation. Matt, would you uh, would you agree with that? I mean, is there any way really other than changing which size VM you're on? If you're talking, I mean, again, if you, if you're looking at it as anything as a service, and whether you're and fundamentally, in a, a DevOps scenario, whether you're talking about being in the public cloud and something like AWS or Azure, or if you're talking about um, private cloud, which is you know your home, you know your your on-premise virtualization, usually the only place where you really every everything is quite literally virtualized away enough, if it's abstracted away enough. I mean, it's like, what's the quote? It's like, there's no problem in computer science that can't be solved by a sufficient layer of abstraction. You know, but you're, it, it, the only, but the place where it comes into play is, um, it, can, it can come to play when you have really IO intensive applications and you're, you're starting to play some games. And we, we see this with, with certain cloud providers too, that even when you're virtualizing disk, you're wanting to be able to distribute it, but you're, you're looking at it in such a different kind of way. I, I, I right. guess that the reason that I think it's important to understand the basics of it is because if for no reason, then um, you understand when it's not a problem, right? Uh, there's, it's, it's one of the easiest things in the world to blame is something you don't understand. Absolutely. Okay? What's something that very few people in technology, developers, even sysadmins, whatever, storage. Storage messes people up. Storage is hard. And I'm not talking about like a Raider. I'm talking about something like a SAN. You've got this big EMC frame. You've got something like that. People don't fundamentally understand it. So what's the first thing you go to blame is the thing you don't understand. So people love to blame the sand. Oh, it's got to be because of the sand. The sand is, I got news for you. It is almost never the sand. It's how you're using it. It's how you're, you're configuring to go. So, which is a roundabout way of saying that if you understand, even at a high level, you know enough to be dangerous. You know enough to say, I'm not going to sound foolish by blaming something that couldn't possibly be the problem. Um, so I think that's where understanding these types of configurations and stuff can come into play. Now, when you're talking about something with the way that you're interfacing with it, it's such a virtualized layer, be it in the cloud or something of that nature. Yeah, like how the disks are laid out, how they're striped probably doesn't come into play. But you really need to understand disk I.O. You need to understand how to read disk queues. You need to understand, because you're still talking storage, be it physical or virtual. And... You can't just assume that that the store you, the store now again like you said are you going to be able to fix it are you going to be able to drive down to some Amazon data center and say you know what hey I really wish you in this rack I, I wish you'd change the way that you've got these disks striped no but then you know it's a limitation and then you you code around it uh, I think I think you kind of hit it still as far as what David and I were saying about it you know how it comes down to the actual person. Uh, you know, a lot of people come to me, and I'm sure you guys have had similar situations. Like, you know, I want to get into DevOps, or I want to get in development. Tell me what it's like, or what it's, you know, what it is, you know, what it is. And uh, the one thing I always tell people is that I think the best developers, the best DevOps guys, best system admins are the people that care about exactly what you're saying. That it's the people that do care about the fundamentals. They want to know how things are working. It matters to them. It helps them get, say, their brain in sync. You know, whatever the case is, those are the people I think that 
are the ones, much like it sounds like everybody here, is very deep into the fundamentals and you do see the value in it and how that can be the case where there is an issue and it doesn't always have to jump to, well, maybe it was this guy, maybe it was this system, maybe it was application. You know, so I think it's very much so based on that person, which is why I think it's really important for you know things like this podcast, among other things out there, to evangelize how important it is to know the fundamentals, like David was mentioning earlier, that there is a lot of value in what it can be for you and for the teams you work with, or even if you work by yourself. You know, there's a lot of value in having those, that knowledge and how it can empower the things that you're trying to build. I think it'd be interesting if we build a little bit on more on what David was saying about the the ever changing fundamentals, though. You know. How you know now it's not necessarily as relevant to know the different levels of RAID. You know you don't need to know how to do a bubble sort. You there's tools out there to do it for you. That's true. Uh, you know I'll take you one. I'm actually reading a book right now, and honestly, if you if I, when I tell you, people be like, why? Um, I'm reading a book called Code, and it basically breaks down from binary to low-level languages. You know all the, all of what's happening at the real root of a root of a computer, and that has absolutely no application to my development. But I don't know, I find that fundamental, just more part of the thought process that goes into the things that I'm building. And it always comes down to maybe not necessarily the, you know, the, the grind of what I'm doing, but the architecture and the logic that I'm putting into the things that I'm building. You know, not being so lasered in all the time and thinking about how each of those pieces are playing together. Because there is more than just a couple pieces nowadays. And in regards to the, you know, the ever-changing fundamentals, again, I think that's very important for, for developers, for DevOps, anybody, to constantly be on, I always call it a quest, for being better. You want to be better. You want to learn. You know, a lot of people, you know, cut constructive critique, especially on code or anything, a setup of a system. It's it's kind of tough. It's a personal, you know, view of what someone or someone's giving their personal view of your work. And that's what we need to embrace is that. So we ever we're always looking at how can we be better? What's changed in the field? What are what can we change to make it better? And kind of bringing that, like I said again, evangelizing it. That's why things like this podcast are awesome because it's a way to start to you know bring that out in more people and find the people that truly love what they do so that they can have, always be on that quest. And that's one of my favorite things about being a developer is that you can never have the you you can't stop learning. If you stop learning, you're dead. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I always used to say, and this is my you know pretending to be ahead of my time, but I didn't know what to call it. But even you know five six years ago, I I, I remember saying things like that your best developers have a little sysadmin inside their brain and your best sysadmins have some developer to them. You know, um, that siloing is, is rough. And now it's, you know, really with the way the tool sets go and the way that we're trying to do agility and velocity, you, you really can't, you know, that's that flattening needs to happen. But even before, even if it wasn't part of your job, even if you weren't allowed to do those things, you kind of needed to to be good at what you did. I, I would feel like you had to understand the system and systems. And that's that's one thing that and I know, you know, we kind of were saying what's the level of how you understand them? And that's the thing where the abstraction comes in, right? Do you need to know how to like go and tweak the hell out of a kernel? No, but you you should know how to if you're a dot net developer, you should know how to tweak the hell out of IIS, right? If you're, or you know, if you're developing, you know, in Java Spring, you should really know how to kick the crap out of Tomcat and know the right way to set it. I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I, I have little patience for developers that then go to TechOps and say, I don't know, how should the the middleware be configured? It's your application, man. You know, I mean, there's more to developing an application in my mind than writing the procedural code. And wow. I'm 
would like to hear what David says about that. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I hear what you're saying. Um, <clears throat> I guess it depends. So uh, I've I've been in a lot of different roles, an independent more often than not, and um, I've I've had the I've learned a lot of the operational stuff as sort of part of my toolkit. Um, but I've also been building applications that were, you know, the uh, you know the the size of dog houses in some cases, or maybe strip malls in others, where you got a small team and everybody's got to chip in, and I need to know how to run the cement mixer. Um, but on bigger teams, it it can take away. I think it can take away brain space uh, from from developers who, especially uh, especially people who are just learning, uh, people who are new to the profession. It can it can overload them. And I think uh, as a as a lead developer, um, I would see it as my responsibility to protect more junior developers from having to deal with that uh, level of detail, so that they can get on with the problem of writing the code. But as they get older, uh, uh, to um, you know, especially to Dan's point, as you get older, as you pro as you profess <laughs> in the profession. Um, you have to. You're either going to continue learning as much as you possibly can, and you're going to and you're going to learn, sort of from where you start up and down the levels of abstraction, up and down the the abstraction hierarchy, if you will, or you're going to wash out. Um, you know, I I, I came into, uh, I was there in, in in New York in the late '90s when people were, you know, getting paid $120,000 uh, out of undergrad to, or sometimes out of undergrad, like they be dragged out of class, thrown in front of a computer and say, okay, write some Flash. Uh, and then I was one of the guys who survived in 2001 when that vanished, when that <laughs> when the wizard flew off in his balloon. Um, so everybody that survived that and then survived the shock, I think, again in 2009 are the people who, um, who do have that, that desire to learn more. But just the same, um, you know, man, I... I, I don't think that um, all developers need to learn this immediately. And I think, to get to my point, it is appropriate in a larger team environment, especially for a developer to say, okay, ops guy, help me out here. I don't know how to do this, uh, and I don't want to. Um, you know, at some point in the career, that's got to stop. At some point, people have to get broader knowledge or they're just not going to progress. But, yeah, I think, you know, somebody three to five years who's on a big team and they've, they've got a responsibility for one chunk, it's going to help everybody if they don't have to worry about the operational side, which is, to get back to the point of all of this, I think <laughs> why we need to have good ops. Well, and I think I, the, the, the point, I, the, or the clarification I'd make is I said a good developer. I didn't say all developers, so I would agree. You don't start with responsibility over everything and you I wouldn't expect that someone gains all the skills that they need to have right away it's the same thing a good sysadmin doesn't learn middleware day one a good sysadmin learns the base OS day one and learns how to keep it going right and then you build on that I think it's you know um, we're gonna have to start an over under on how long into each podcast it is before I quote uh, Lucis's blog post about uh, what DevOps means but right it's not saying that's not my job. It's giving a shit about what needs to be done, and that's that's the thing. That's that's what to me I see um, is is fundamentally something that is that is changing uh, for the good. Is that you're getting less of this throw it over the wall and more of the okay, 
I, I do care about the middle because that's the thing. You're, you need good ops people who understand the core of the operations, but that's some of that's genericized. Some of that's like, hey, this is just good practice for running Windows Server. Or this is just good practice for Debian or whatnot, right? But then there's the, okay, and what's the special snowflake about this organization's application? And the thing is, sometimes you have sysadmins who've been there for forever, and they know all the special snowflakes, but when you don't have that, or you have a new app, the person that's going to know the special snowflake the best, and I think that's a land speed record for saying special snowflake the most <laughs> in one minute, are going to be the people who designed and architected the application. Is that every developer on the team? Not necessarily. But to just sort of say, hey, I wrote some code, you know, you ops figure out how to make it make it work. That's where, it, and again, it's collaborative. You know, I mean, there's there's stuff on ops's shoulders too. They can't just sit there and say, I don't know. You tell me what to do. Um, and that's what we're trying to evangelize with this. And and that's the difference between the way that we perceive DevOps versus. And by we, I'm speaking for this podcast. So Trevor, you know, I'm putting words in your mouth, so whatever. Well, I mean, I think I was getting ready to reiterate what you were. Yeah, it's we, we just too, believe so. it's it's not a tool set. It's not a role. It's a culture, and it's a it's an approach to things, and that's and it's that's that's how we how we look at it, and everything we're trying to to share with people on this podcast is that at its core, but then saying how does that apply? So so that so I think we've been doing. I think I'm really enjoying this episode. I think you guys are fulfilling that piece because my when I was was kind of throwing it out there and say on Twitter and saying like, hey, who's got questions for our panels? We're doing the topic is the Dev Show, and the response I got was like, well, that's not vague. <laughs> my thing is if we say that that's the point of DevOps what does that mean to someone whose main job is a developer I mean I think you know reiterating a little bit or building a little bit on what David was saying and what you're saying you know you know the fundamental thing we're saying here is giving a damn I think you know the developer who gives a damn is not the developer who turns around and says hey ops here's this application go make it run on the website. Uh, it's, you know, the developer who says, hey, ops, I don't necessarily know exactly how to do this. This is what I'm trying to do. How can we accomplish this? You know, and, and working together with ops and tr making sure that you gain an understanding so that the next time a similar problem comes around, you can do it yourself or you, you don't need as much help in the future because you're, you've grown your own skill set and you're, you know, you're not just pushing it, the pushing the blame, pushing the responsibility onto somebody else. You know, uh, one thing that I you kind of made me think of, Matt, um, is you know I noticed a lot the last couple of years, or actually probably the last more half decade. Uh, there's been a lot of push, you know, with things like Code Academy, Code School. You know, the whole idea of one hour of code, and everybody's all, you know, we should all code. You know, I noticed is there, I don't think I can't personally think of any examples of maybe it's just because I'm not as well connected in DevOps. Is is there like a devopsschool.com, like I haven't really heard of anything like that and I feel like sometimes these kind of things that we're talking about is a lot of educational base where we're not teaching the right things to people that are prospectively wanting to be in this field and that's why it's become a point where we have to evangelize much more efficiently, much more hard because we have to create good developers because maybe schools aren't letting them out at that, you know, from that more uh, lower level in their career and even before a career has started, you know, maybe the, that foundational level isn't there. You know, so I mean, does that exist in DevOps that I don't maybe know yeah. about? Because that's the kind of stuff I think would be phenomenal. You know, that's where you can really start hitting at the core. 
there's a, and I'll, I'll find the link and I'll put it in the show notes. I came across um, like a sysadmin training manual or something. This was kind of like Code Academy um, a while ago, and it's not complete. It's like a community project, um, but and it's it's very Unix-y. Like there's no Windows stuff in it or anything like that. But it's still really useful, you know. Um, I think. But you're you're right. There's not. There's not as much of this, like like you said, there's like, hey, everybody should learn how to code. You don't get, hey, everybody should understand how their damn servers work, <laughs> um, which is probably would be a good thing. Um, I, I also don't know. I mean, it's been such, it's been quite a while since I was in school. But I remember I, I hired someone a few years ago. Uh, best intern I ever hired, became an amazing employee and has gone on to, Actually, he is a DevOps engineer is his title now, and he's doing incredibly well and is so important he won't return my emails. But it was funny because he was the third intern I'd ever hired into our sysadmin group, into our tech ops group, and he was the first one that actually wanted to be a sysadmin. The other ones were developer, wanted to be a developer. They wanted to be a PM or something like that. But, you know, Billy was the one that was like, I was like, hey, what do you, so what do you want to do this? Well, I want to be a sysadmin when I grow up. I'm like, really? Nobody says that. We all become sysadmins. We don't do it on purpose. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I, I spent I spent years as a sysadmin for exactly that purpose. One of the, for that reason. It's it's like, well, you know computers. Here, fix this one. Uh, no, no, I'm a developer. No, really. And Another reason why I'm glad that we hired Matt because I was usually getting that call. <laughs> and and it can happen, and you can I be know a you're very paying. successful and very advanced system administrator, and it's and it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's just again, I don't know among my my peers, I don't really know anybody that this was what they went to school for. Um, what I tend to see among my peers is that it's something that they, they started in one direction and through whatever winding road ended up in here, you see a lot of sysadmins come from um, military because there's a lot of stuff to do there and that's a thing you can learn. You know, when you, hey, if you join the, join the Navy, you know, or join the Army after, after high school or, or whatever and you go do that, that's a job and they learn it real, real well and they have very strong opinions about how things should be done. They have one very strong opinion about how things should be done if you had the luxury of uh, working with a former military uh, systems person um, or are one of them. I, I salute them, but they can be they can be a lot of fun. Well, let me, let me just touch on something that you said, Matt, just a second ago. Uh, two words that have been floating around, and uh, I think maybe it's helpful to draw a distinction between them, job and profession. If you just want a job, then you can get vocational training in uh, an area of what we do, and you can do it uh, for 20 years and retire and get your gold watch, and I think that's a valid career path. Um, I don't think the people that are tuning into the, this podcast are, are going to count themselves in that number. Um, a profession is a group of people that are doing things and trying to trying to move everything forward, trying to learn as much as they can about what they do, and that's that's what we're talking about, right? So um, I don't know if that's a helpful distinction, but it, it's just something that came to mind while you were talking. I think I could, I could see what you're saying, because again, and I've, I guess I don't know enough about development 
and don't enter. And in the places that I've worked where you would have the 20 years in gold watch employees within IT, I tended to be that tended to be a very siloed world where I didn't know the developers, so I can't speak to it, but I can definitely speak to infrastructure folks and, and sysadmins and DBAs and stuff. And you can you can absolutely do that in in that in the tech ops world. You can go and you can work for the big bank. You can go work for the big manufacturing company or whatever, and you can be there for 20 years running those same systems, you know, and not really changing because they don't. Um, yeah. And that's, I think, is again, is when it's, I'm going to stop swinging back and forth because I'm probably giving everybody, making everybody get vertigo, whatever. Um, and I imagine it's similar, it can be similar in development. I'm sure that you could be a coder that just sits and says, yeah, I just do my projects and I've been sitting in the same chair for 15 years and I'm cool with that. And, but again, I don't think that's our audience here. I don't think yeah. those people are listening to this podcast because to your point, that's a job. It's not the profession. It's not someone who's looking to say, what's the next level? Because you can coast for a long time. Legacy stuff sticks around for a very, very long time. If all you know is VB6, I guarantee there are plenty of jobs for you. You just have to figure out where they are. <clears throat> That's all I'm going to say about that. Some people listening will get the joke. Um, and other people will look at you and cry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, that that being said, okay. So if we look at, at at DevOps from a, if we say it's a, it's mostly a collaboration thing, and I kind of alluded to what I wanted you guys on the show to talk about, which is to say, how can how can a dev, someone whose title is dev, I'm an app dev, how can they work? better in a DevOps collaborative environment with the operational people? What advice, what two cents might you have? Um, I guess I'll jump on that one uh, since I'm a dev. Uh, you know, I think one thing that I would say would be a really big takeaway, and I think that I've definitely experienced this more is actually just kind of ending off what we were just talking about is, uh, like Matt, you said about corporate culture, I think is a really good example of that where you can do the same thing for 20 years and you'll work on the same systems you know, and they'll they'll be affecting you for your entire career there, but you're right, you can get by, you know, and coming from kind of like the more startup-y side myself, and also I've done like the one-man IT show, uh, where you have a little bit more freedom, um, that is definitely the people I think that are going to be more focused on this podcast, and I, and I think that's awesome, and what I was going to get at was, is that it's, it's all about a team effort, kind of like even like what we're doing right now, we're essentially kind of working together here to bring a message and, you know, talk to a certain group of people, and it's the same thing as that. Is I've had a lot of points where, yes, I'm, I'm doing an app, I'm developing it, I'm, I'm thinking code, I don't even speak any other language but code right now. But there is a point where, like you said, I can't just hand it off and say, make it work on the server. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that. It is a team effort. You know, I've learned very much, so especially in my current job, that I can get the greatest app in the world done, but if I can't get it out there and it's not working or it's not functioning or it doesn't make it past this, uh, you know, this line of, of servers that we have to get through in order to get to production, then... You're you're not you're never going to get anything out to market, and it's that's why I think it's really important to know the value of both roles. And I feel like the DevOps side really, or tech ops really suffers this a lot in a lot of places. Is that it? It's almost like because it's that last leg going out that you like you said the blame can end up on you guys, and that isn't how it is. And that's why it really needs to become a lot more of a you know a tight knit team atmosphere where it's not okay. I'm done here. Take it. It's 
here's my portion. How is this going to work for you? What what should I do? Is something missing? You know, and that communication is really what makes it key, I think. And we're technical people as it is, even to the base level, even if you don't have those fundamentals we talked about, open that communication line up and you'll make things you'll you'll connect on the things much better than you probably ever thought, even if you've had a hard time in the past. At least that's been my experience as a dev. Let me ask you this. Would it occur to you? And if it if it wouldn't, I'm going to challenge you and any developer who's who's listening. Absolutely. Um, next time you're in your stand-up and there's stickies on the board and there's something and your 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 sysadmin or your tech ops person or to be quite frank it could be a te tester sometimes it gets harder I think because you can't do what they do because it's silly to have them you know you can't test your own stuff I mean, you could test somebody else's. Mm -hmm. I guess what I'm getting at is I, I would I would challenge developers to, to pull a, a task off the board that's not a dev task. I mean, Absolutely. don't pull the one off the board that says, you know, like, yeah. you know, re-architect security architecture for the <laughs> entire domain. But pull the one off that says, like, hey, we need to get a box built. And mm -hmm. maybe go to tech ops and say, hey, can I help you with this? You know, I've got some cycles. Uh, and, and the thing is, you never do. Everybody's super busy. And I know when I brought this up, they're like, oh, well, I've got so much to do. Well, everybody does. And... I would love to have people try that and let us know. Give us some feedback. Tweet at us or send us a note, comment on the post, and let us know if you've given this a try in your next couple stand-ups and what the, what the reaction has been to trying it. That's my challenge. I will take that challenge on, Matt. What's a stand-up? <laughs> <laughs> um, the only last thing I would mention just uh, to what you just said would be, uh, you know, even like I think you said about you know being busy, everybody's busy. Everybody's got work. Everybody's doing things. Uh, but if you know again at that root level, if you really care about what you do and you know the value of like you said picking up one of those tasks off the board and say taking something off, you know like you said, and I'm not going to completely rebuild you know the entire you know setup for whatever it is over there. But you know taking those like smaller ones, and I believe we do something similar to that uh, where I work in apartments, and it's that when we set up our sandbox environments, it wasn't. You know, it wasn't, hey, tech guys, can you come over and set this up for me? It was, get your applications running, set things up, and then we'll talk about meeting in the middle when we go to the next stage after, you know, your sandbox environment. Um, you know, so again, I, I very much so say I'll take that challenge, and I would say the same thing as Tethers is to be willing to do something like that. And even more so, again, going back to just be willing to talk to them because, to be honest, the people that I've talked to that are most into the thing that they do, meaning loving what they do, I've never had a problem pulling them away from their screen to say, yeah, I would love to show you this, or let me see, show you this, how this works. I think sysadmins mostly like to show you how this doesn't work. Or oh, that too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Trevor, that I'd, I'd ask you your thoughts on this, although I know you're mm -hmm. already kind of doing this by default. But uh, Yeah, that's, I mean, that's where I work. That's kind of, you know... I kind of did that from the very beginning of the project I'm on right now. It was a matter of, you know, we got this project coming down the line. Oh, well, somebody needs to put together the machines we're going to use to do it, so might as well be me because nobody else is going to volunteer to do it. <laughs> so that's how we got, you know, we did some testing to see if we we're going to do AWS. We wound up choosing Azure. You know, we built some VMs and got our whole development environment set up that way. But, you know, there's a lot of at that, when, when the project started, we actually had an operations guy at the company on some level. Uh, he was kind of more of a jack-of-all-trades than necessarily an ops person, but there was definitely 
well-received questions when I, you know, when I asked questions, they were really, you know, they were answered, you know, and it would go both ways. I would, he, I would ask him a question and he would ask me a question like, oh, well, you know, if you're going to go ahead and use IIS, well, then what are you going to use to deploy it? And, you know, that brought up the conversation of, well, how are we going to set up web deploy? And so... Did I just drop off because everybody seems nope. to... Oh. No, just, just no, hanging on your every word. No. for a change. We're not used to it. It's it's blowing our minds, Trevor. <laughs> you know, uh, Trevor, I think, uh, I think you said something that kind of goes back to, again, that thought process that we go through. It's very much so from the product owner level, just speaking to one way that I know it, to getting to production with a finalized product and you know, getting to market. It's always thought it was very much so a straight line. But mm -hmm. I think what you said is that, well, we may work in a straight line, or at least that's the idea. There's so many circles in between that has Absolutely. to go back and forth and for developers and DevOps to be able to go back and forth and so many other roles, you know, within a company, especially a larger company, especially that's really how it needs to be is yes, we're going from A to B, but there's going to be a lot of in between of circles and off the path and on the path that has to happen. And that's why, like I said, that communication is so important. So I absolutely commend you for, you know, for doing that and taking on a task like that. Cause I can't say I know many developers that are ready to jump on any kind of system admin work of any sort. It's fun. It's different, <laughs> you know, as long as I don't have another, you know, a big coding task to do, I'm more than happy to do the, the system work. It's great. It's, I, you so, know, given the choice, I will, uh, I will write software as opposed to put it, to, you know, put it together, so to speak. Supposed to make it work. <laughs> supposed to be to get the, get the pager. Um, let me ask uh, one, one final question of the panel. And then uh, we're going to be probably heading into our checkouts and, and wrapping it up as we're coming close to the top of the hour. So my final question is, um, I know we've talked about how the role of the developer has evolved over the time. We've talked about what we kind of look at and things like that. And I'd like to know just from you personally what you're looking at. I mean, this is the beginning of the year, and I, you know, we're starting a new year. So what's your, what's your DevOps resolution? And I'm putting you guys on the spot, and I'm going to put me and Trevor on the spot, too, because we aren't prepared for it neither. So, but we'll <laughs> let the panel go first. Tell me your DevOps resolution for 2014. And the first person who makes, like, a 1024 by 8 700 joke is just off the podcast. Those are so <laughs> Go ahead, David. It's all you. Now, see, that was my Facebook status a couple of days ago for some reason. <laughs> um, actually, I... I uh, I think it was. Uh, I, um, I don't. I don't have any specific resolutions about uh, DevOps uh, because Matt's here, and I don't have to think about it anymore. So my my resolution is is to think about DevOps when Matt's not in the room, just to just to keep fresh. Keep the flame alive. Um, I'll go ahead and jump in on, on mine. I think my DevOps resolution for 2014 is to become more, more aware. I'm gonna, my, my resolution is to write some code, some code that isn't, you know, some PowerShell config script or some chef <laughs> recipes or something. But my, my goal is to write some code for something that does some shit and... I'm going to let David deploy it, and he can run it. That's roll, my resolution for 2014. So, uh, Dude, I was deploying things when you were in diapers. 
That's probably true for me. <laughs> I really don't think you will. <laughs> um, I guess I'll jump in uh, back to dev or on devs. Um, yeah, that is kind of on the spot. Uh, but you know what? Since I'm working in um, startup world right now, and my you know my side stuff outside of nine to five, uh, I have to be doing some DevOps work that I've never done before. And I'll be honest, I wouldn't wouldn't mind by at least the later half of this year to say that I'm not hashtag a noob because I completely consider myself <laughs> just entry level in the DevOps world. You're like, oh yeah, buzzwords, I know them all. But then like, you know, tell me to go set this up, and I guarantee I'm going to be tweeting you for questions and answers right away. Um, so my goal is definitely to. Uh, really take a big step forward on the DevOps side, especially in relation to the work that I'm doing, which uh, is right now I'm doing Node.js, which is completely different than anything I've ever dealt with as far as like how threading works and performance and stuff. So I am I'm hoping that I come back here and feel much more DevOpsy next time versus developer. So we'll have to uh, make sure that Dan is on our December 2014 podcast. I was going to say the same thing. I'm also going to resolve next year that if someone's on our fucking podcast wearing a pair of Google Glass, it doesn't take me 45 minutes to notice it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first thing I noticed when he came I on. I didn't even notice it. <laughs> I'm like, all of a sudden as he's talking, I'm like, holy shit. He's I'm got right Google Glass. I'm jealous the whole time. <laughs> I, will t I will tell you, there's only two types of looks you get with these. 80% of people don't want to look at you because they think you're recording you or you have an eye problem. And then the other 20% have to talk to you because it's so weird what's on your face. So it's an <laughs> Matt, interesting Matt, experience. Uh, Matt, I'm afraid you probably have missed a number of things in this podcast. <laughs> that's that's good. All right, Trevor, what's your resolution for 2014? Well, mine's actually similar to yours, but from the other side, which is actually interesting given our, our kind of dynamic of you being the ops guy, me being the dev guy. I, I want to be more present in my mind of, you know, when I'm doing opsy things and, you know, not getting frustrated when I am doing code stuff and I really need to give more consideration to the ops side. I know exactly how you can do this. You can now be in charge of the server that hosts the rest of DevOps. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Although, you can help me write the chef recipe I'm working on to keep it running. So. Woo. Cool. I, right. wanted, I was actually, I wanted to learn some, some chefs since we started talking about it. So Chef is sweet. We're going to, I cannot wait. We're, we are going to so have a config management episode, and it's going to just rock. Uh, <laughs> so stay tuned. I don't know when it's going to be, but it'll be soon. So, um we're going to thank our panelists and we're going to thank them by moving on to the next, the final part of the episode, which is, we call it the checkout, um, where we're going to tell you something cool that we think you should check out. And it's not necessarily tech related. It could be TV show, beer, a tech tool or something. Um, I'll go ahead and go first. Uh, my two items that I have for checkouts, one of them, and I'll put a link in the show notes, is there is a video going around. I would call it viral, but that word is stupid. Um, <laughs> and it's this six-year-old kid just railing on Welcome to the Jungle by Guns N' Roses on the drums. It is amazing. Um, it's quite possible that you've all seen it. You have Facebook. You've probably seen it because everybody's posted the freaking thing. But I'm going to put up a link in the show notes. And even if you have seen it, go watch it again because it just kicks ass. Um, the other thing that I'm going to uh, recommend is a, a tool called, this is on the Windows side, it's called Chocolatey. It's basically, imagine it as apt-get or yum for Windows. So it's like a package manager. And you combine it with a tool called Box Starter. It's really neat. You write these gists in GitHub that basically say, here's the tools that I want. So it's great for rebuilding your developer workstation just to get everything down the way you want it. You could use it for 
configuring VMs if you want, although I, I would probably use something different for something more robust. It's kind of a one-time run tool, but um, we are now big fans of chocolatey around here. So, uh, Trevor, what do you got? I got a couple things, and I was really worried you were going to steal it from me because we were talking about it earlier. But um, there's a really good article, you know, given um, Matt Smith's departure from Doctor Who, um, about the uh, the article's called The Captain Kirk Problem, How Doctor Who Betrayed Matt Smith. And it really kind of hits the, the nail on the head about why I, I was frustrated with the last three seasons of Doctor Who. That's not, it's not Doctor Who's institution, it's one guy. Yep. <laughs> and he writes such good single episodes. When you, when you put him in a box, Moffat can write some really interesting stuff. But if you give him control over the whole series... Uh, and and sec my second checkout is... Um, I got Jen uh, the Game of Thrones cookbook for Christmas, and it is just delicious. We made uh, a pork you pie from the, the wall. <laughs> <laughs> the recipes... That the, the food, rather, that the recipes create is wonderful. Uh, we made the medieval pork pie last night and uh, bacon bean soup, and it was fantastic. Oh, it was so good. David, your checkouts? There we go. Yeah, um, we were talking about, well, uh, Dan, was it you who mentioned the book Code that you're reading? Yes. Yep. Here's another one. I keep this actually by my desk. Oh, I have a copy of that. Where is my... I can't see where... It's, uh, you that's can see better. it. There you I go. Like got the... Oh, okay. Um, so, this is... Uh, this is essentially... Uh, Robert Martin is, is, has given... It's, it's just the basics of how to write good code. Um, this would be what I would tell people to read today. Um, back uh, uh, years ago, it was Code Complete which is really the book that introduced me to construction um, and software construction as a concept. Um, uh, that, and this is a really good modern version of that book. Um, I think both of them are important, uh, but uh, a guy named uh, uh, Dave Kotis turned me on to this book, and I, uh, I absolutely recommend this. Uh, Clean Code by Bob Martin. Okay, all right. And that brings us to Dan. So I'm feeling kind of way. on the spot here. I wasn't ready for this one. Uh, so I will give you if something. It makes you I feel do. any better. Nobody ever is, especially the hosts. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do have one, um, and I'm, maybe I'm really late to the party on this one. I just started switching over to uh, all ebooks for everything. You know, Kindle. I use the Kindle app, and I decided to hop on Amazon. And kind of a cool tidbit. And I know there's a plenty of free books out there, but I actually hit Amazon, set the price from low to high, specifically in the Kindle store, and I started searching for code books. And all sorts of other learning fundamental stuff, especially computer science and actually one DevOps. I apologize, I don't have the title on me. Uh, but there's like an absolute multitude of free resources, specifically in ebook form. And I know you could Google for just about anything, but finding a nice book that you, you know, I was looking at the reviews and, you know, it's, it's nice to find a few. So I'll actually try and find some titles and send them to Matt. Um, but trust me, hit up the Amazon Kindle store and hit the free section. There is just an insane amount of free resources out there for great material learning. Great, thanks. Big, big fan of the eBooks. So that brings us to a close. So I'd like to thank our special panel guests, uh, David Braverman and, and Daniel D'Angi, who've joined us to talk about what puts the dev and the dev de dev de ops. And uh, as usual, this is Matt Stratton from Chicago signing off. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at, at ArrestedDevOps or check us out online 
or on the line at www.arresteddevops.com. And we'll see you guys in a couple weeks. Take care. Thank you.